This message comes from NPR sponsor, The Pitchfork Review. It's the podcast for the music obsessed, the music curious, and everyone in between. Listen to The Pitchfork Review and hear music differently. Find new episodes every Friday at midnight. Can we affect the rise and fall of the economy? Although things may look good for now, many Wall Street analysts are concerned about the warning signs ahead. Just by the way we talk about it. The bond markets once again flashing that ominous recession. How stories and psychology affect our economic fate. This week on Hidden Brain from NPR. For NPR Music, it's All Songs Considered. I'm Bob Boylan. Angel Olsen has reimagined her sound. And her fourth album, All Mirrors, reflects a more theatrical, more nuanced sound from the singer and songwriter. And today, a conversation with Angel Olsen and producer John Congleton on creating All Mirrors. The record began with Angel recording these songs as a solo record. And then, with the help of musicians Ben Babbitt and arranger Jarek Bischoff and John Congleton, the music organically morphed and strengthened to this extraordinary record. Angel Olsen was with me in Washington, D.C., having just performed her first of two nights at the historic Lincoln Theater. John Congleton was in L.A. Before we hear that conversation, I want to play the entire opening cut to All Mirrors so you get an idea of the album's power. The song is called Lark. To forget you is to hide There's still so much left to
I didn't know that the record was going to sound this way at all. And in fact, I was very, because I had just finished recording a stripped down version of it, I went home for a few days. And then that's when John emailed me and was like, hey, um, have you talked to the arrangers yet for the strings? And I was, I just thought, oh, I guess I have to get right back into this. So I think I, it was a little bit difficult at first for me to imagine the songs completely different and get into the new form of them right off the bat. But once we got into the process and started having more and more communication and I was in L.A. working with Ben, things started to really come together. And Ben is... He's a good friend of mine from Chicago who I had just asked to play piano originally on the songs, on a few songs, like Chance, and maybe play some synth stuff. Ben got really excited about being involved and just decided that he wanted to arrange some strings for tonight, which I found to be really incredible. And also he recorded every part live so I could hear it without it being in a MIDI form. It's difficult to get into arrangements when they're in MIDI form. It doesn't really come across. The textures don't really come across. So, For those who don't know what MIDI is, so you 
you can play anything on a keyboard and string arrangements on a keyboard. Right. And MIDI is musical instrument digital interface, and it's a way to... Yeah, make. but it's just always thinner sounding than when it's real, obviously. As someone who was new to the process, I think he just understood that I needed to hear something real to understand how something would sound. And then I told him not to do that again because that was incredibly time-consuming. <laughs> Can you walk me through, John, you hearing these things for the first time as, uh, as stripped-down things and your thoughts? What did you imagine when you heard these? Actually, this doesn't happen very often, but I, the record turned out pretty close to what I was hoping it would turn out to be. Like, All that mattered to me was that it was a really strong expression and felt different. And early on, right, Angel, we talked about strings like way early on, right? Yeah. I think that we even had a conversation that was just, you came by to see how things were going with me and Ben because we were kind of going crazy at that point, just adding more and more stuff. And I wanted you to be involved I think what I really wanted to avoid on this was to just make a record that had added strings and instead have something yeah. more more reactive and more interactive with the lyrics versus just like pads underneath everything. Yeah, 100%. Yeah, I totally agree with that. I can't remember if we actually had this conversation, but it was like, we don't want to make just a girl with a guitar <laughs> with some strings, you know, because you've heard that. I think that that's like whenever I brought up early period Scott Walker and stuff like that, where mm -hmm. it's like fantastic songs with really cool arrangements. And like, you're not necessarily just hearing singer songwriter. Plus you're hearing something totally new. Yeah. Can I play a, a little for, for folks who. Sure. Why not? Yeah. There's a mix there of keyboards, I assume, and then also strings, mm -hmm. which is what you're doing also uh, live. Do you want to describe that process? Like, where does Ben Babbitt come in? Where does Jarek Bischoff come in? Where does John fit in the keyboards? Walk um, me through the well, evolution. Well, the song started out as a guitar song, but I, I learned it on piano, learned some of the melody line in the middle on piano. So... I thought it would be cool to have string arrangements mimic that original piano this, line. This? Yeah. Um, and then to trans somehow transform the song from, from synth to strings so that it starts off kind of sci-fi and then gets more and more dramatic as it continues on. And that was really, I think that, that was more John than me. But You want to talk about that? 
Angel, I think if I remember correctly, the first version I heard of the song kind of ends where this the big instrumental section starts. Oh, right. Is that yeah. correct? Yeah, it was much so, shorter. Right. And it was almost like a strange little short meditation and it was fantastic. But then whenever I'd heard where it was starting to go with that middle section, that was quite more dissonant in science fiction, I think, the first yeah. time. I think maybe I had suggested that maybe it was going a little too dissonant, yeah. which is if you hear me saying it's going too dissonant, it might be too dissonant. <laughs> uh, and, then, and then what I had said was, and I think that this worked out really well, uh, I said that if we go into this crazy alien landscape in the middle of the song, we should like arrive at the chorus again. We should just repeat the chorus. At that point, I think you had said it should be totally full orchestration at that point. That was sort of like the journey of that one. But your your original version was very complete as yeah, it was ending a, where it ended. Yeah, it's just a very different feel. I suppose that's what making this record was about, was just kind of erasing my own thoughts about where the song should be and letting go and being more open to other ideas. You know me, I'm stubborn about some things, but... Is she stubborn? I, just, I needed to be All right, a little yeah. bit. You, you say that, but you're—I don't think you're stubborn. Okay. You say that. I, right. I, I think you're—I think you're just an artist. <laughs> I think you're a great artist. Thanks, John. Uh, I would. You're welcome. <laughs> He's I, pretty good too, I think, right? <laughs> I think that on the scale of stubbornness and artists, you're—I wouldn't call you stubborn. Okay. It wouldn't even be in the first like 50 words I would use to describe <laughs> you. I think a Ben might system. have some other things to say about that, but. <laughs> Well, you know. Can we talk about some of the conversations that go on? Like, were you and Ben Babbitt and John and Jarek all in the room at the same time? And what, what There were are, points in time when we were all so in the room. So what are those conversations like? Because I'm assuming that it's not scribbling on paper and putting notes in it, but it's more <laughs> emotional stuff, right? So, Yeah. I was communicating with Jarek and Ben around the holidays, and it's difficult for me to express what I wanted in some in a landscape of sound that I've never experimented with, yeah. you know? So it was a, a learning process for me and also um, a test of patience because I like to have a plan and knowing that these pieces were coming in one by one, if I felt a little bit uncertain and scared. When you say coming, pieces were coming like, in one by uh, one, in other words, they'd send arrangements? Is that yeah, what you so that? arrangements for parts of songs and I'd have to communicate what what about it I liked or what about it I wanted to change and it was a lot of work, but eventually we got to a point where we had an idea of each song, and then we went into the studio. Ben started to play more of a role of a band member and an arranger at that point, and so he came into the studio and worked with me on filling sort of the backbone before the strings came in. So we went into the studio, recorded drums, bass, guitar, synth, took out guitar, took out aspects of that and then they would go home but we would send them the versions of the backbone and then they would rearrange based on those final versions so john and and angel you both heard these things how did the integration happened did you mix them in and then just say oh my god those drums don't work anymore or um well that's more of a john question i okay, feel go for it a lot of the time in the studio was pretty organic, I felt like. There wasn't a big difference between recording the beginning of the Angel record and the way I would have done another record. You know, like we were essentially still tweaking 
small things about the arrangements and we were basically coming up with what does the rhythm section do you know and i and i remember there were a few songs angel that we started and they were kind of a little too rock remember that yeah is there a song that i can just start playing maybe take, take me <laughs> well, through too easy right too easy changed right. completely oh wow I yeah i expected that one So you're saying this song started off as a more rocky song when you have a guitar strapped on? Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. <laughs> and it just didn't fit. For In my mind, I thought this is something that I would have done this way six years ago, but I, I can't Precisely. do it this way anymore. Yeah. And it sounds yeah, good. I, I performed okay. it solo with guitar, and I probably intend, I will do it that way sometimes as well, but as a solo musician. Two things. When you're saying that... Um, it's something you didn't want to do anymore. How do you feel like these new arrangements help bring the words out more and your emotions out more? I mean, that's sort of the key why you're doing all of this stuff, right? It's it's to make, not just to do something different, but to amplify the message and the, the emotions. Yeah, I, I don't think about it so intellectually all the time, <laughs> but <laughs> I, for this one, it, uh, as far as the the form of it and the way that it changed. I mean, originally I was singing it, belting it out, and, and in this version it's it's a little bit more manic and creepy, and it nice. it added this totally different feeling about the words <laughs> that I'm singing, almost as though I'm in a manic state thinking everything is great when it actually isn't, uh-huh. you know? Originally it was very straight-up rock and roll kind of along the lines of forgiven forgotten or something like that you know even the way that i'm singing it every aspect of it changed the way that i thought about the words if i remember correctly it was like okay we have this song we need to record so everybody just set up and we started recording and we kind of got into it and we kind of got a take and we were feeling okay about it but then it was sort of like wait a minute does this even belong on the record so we just sort of slowly kind of reverse engineered it yeah and uh like the drums there's no live drums at the beginning that's all program drums and like as the song progresses real drums sort of come in so you can kind of hear that sort of vestigial of a live band at the end where it sort of the song sort of opens up and sort of loosens its belt a little bit yeah and i think that like we were like well we got to get rid of this yeah right Right here here. here. yeah exactly and then this part i feel like in the end when i listen to the record finally mixed, mastered, whatever. This one and Spring, I feel, are related in some way to me in my mm-hmm. mind. I don't know why. Maybe it's the end. Yeah, they kind of uh, open up and there's a little more freedom to the plane and yeah. it's less orchestrated. I guess, yeah, I would definitely agree with that. Yeah. That's it. That's the end of Spring. Right here. It seems to me that, like, just in terms of making music, 
like the coolest thing is is when something happens that you just couldn't imagine yeah i mean and that feels sure. like that's all over this record is that was that true <laughs> for for either of you well um, probably uh, not for john but <laughs> i don't know <laughs> i i feel like i really did step out of what i'm used to which is good i think for me I have this weird theory that the only thing a good producer really can do is know when a mistake is right. And there was yeah. quite, I like she, she makes it sound like it, there was <laughs> like she's stubborn and rigid, but that I take issue with that. I felt completely at ease and free to try things. And if she didn't like it, it's just, okay, next, you know, yeah. like she's way too hard on herself. She's an absolute joy to work with. And the reason why music is fun to me is the feeling of discovery and like, like you can be kind of a kid and it's totally all right to try something dumb and fall on your face. Mm-hmm. That's what's so great about it. And that's why you need that trust between a producer and an artist and vice versa. So you can literally be an idiot because absurdity is what makes rock music at least work. I hear a lot of looseness and and people just enjoying themselves even though the material is incredibly dark. Um, <laughs> I don't, like, my my rec- my recollection of making that record was a lot of liberty and a lot of freedom. Yeah, we were just, we tracked the songs and we were just hanging out talking about life. And yeah, it was a really nice it's just experience. A, it's just an extension of, of the relationship we have outside of yeah. the record. We're going to take a break. I'm with Angel Olsen here in Washington, D.C. and John Congleton in Los Angeles. And you're listening to All Songs Considered from NPR Music. Support for this podcast and the following message come from Tito's Handmade Vodka. Born and bred in Austin, Texas, the live music capital of the world. Music's just kind of part of our DNA, says Tito Beverage, founder and master distiller of Tito's Handmade Vodka. For recipes, videos, and more, visit them at titosvodka.com. 80 proof Tito's Handmade Vodka, fifth generation incorporated, distilled and bottled in Austin, Texas, crafted to be savored responsibly. Support also comes from State Farm, whose agents know that your car and home are more than just big purchases. They're a big part of your life. You put time into making them your own. So now it's time to protect them with your own personal State Farm agent. Not only do they truly get you, but they'll be there for you when you need them. And with over 19,000 agents in neighborhoods across the U.S., there could be one just around the corner. More at statefarm.com or 1-800-STATE-FARM. State Farm, here to help life go right. I'm Bob Boylan. I'm here with Angel Olsen and John Congleton. We're talking about Angel Olsen's new record, All Mirrors. So I, I was just wondering, paint the picture. Where are you? How long are you working on this? Uh, How long did we work on it? I, I feel like not very long. Not terribly long. You weeks, know? I mean, it, I, it must have been like three weeks or I don't know. I think that it was probably all in under a month. I would say we probably worked pretty consistently and i might be wrong about this but i feel like we worked pretty consistently for about two weeks and then we started mixing i mean i really it wasn't that long yeah sometimes when uh, i track vocals and we do three takes i'm like was that okay was that good enough (laughs) and i feel like i on the previous record spent too much time kind of listening back to every single take and i think that that method is distracting for me so it was good to just kind of roll through stuff and there was a lot of trust there on you, actually, just to be like, John will tell me when I need to do this again. <laughs> <laughs> that's, a, that's a good trust. Yeah. It seems to me yeah. that, that making this record in a way where you've worked through the song solo 
and then go in and do something else with them seems like kind of a perfect way in many ways. I mean, it just seems like a way to get inside the song a little bit more, know the song, so when then you have to sing it again. Mm-hmm. Uh, I've had to learn it. a lot of those songs on keyboard that's, you know, or change the way that I sing them, change the way that I play them, and it was an exercise in, for me to revisit piano, and piano was my first instrument, so I've been performing more of the material in that form now, which is cool. Your but phrasing's really peculiar. You think so? <laughs> yeah, it really is, and and in a good way. Well, I'm I'm just thinking, and <clears throat> do I, am I making sense, or do I need to work on that a little bit? <laughs> so, <laughs> uh, <laughs> I'm meaning to talk to you about this. Turns this. into yes. a record review. <laughs> um, phrasing, as in this conversation, or just in no, general? no, in in the like. I'll listen to a song and I can often remember the verse or the mm-hmm. you know the chorus whatever. With your stuff, the way the intonations are, and that's what I mean by phrasing. Mm-hmm. The way you do the intonation, the way you break lines up, they don't feel like they're broken up in the place that normal people would break mm-hmm. the line. And I mean that as a compliment, not as a. But it makes it. I'm just backwards. What it does for me as a listener is it makes me when I listen to a song, I hear it fresh each time because. Everything feels a bit unexpected, if Mm -hmm. that makes any sense. Like my life has just been unexpected, (laughs) you know? I don't know. Yeah, you couldn't imagine this. I would say, just to give a little texture to what that comment is, is like you're kind of explaining exactly how I fell in love with the idea of working with Angel originally. Which was back uh, when, just for for people? uh, What was that? Was that 2014, Mm -hmm. Angel? 2014. Right, so... So John Coombs over at Secretly Canadian sent me your first record, and I listen. And I, Angel, I might have told you this story, but mm-hmm. I've definitely told this story to other people. It was like he sent it to me, and that's not really that strange because they always send me stuff that they're signing. But he he was like, "Hey, would you be interested in exploring or talking to her about where?" And I listened to like your first. Okay. I would say this record, and I heard three sentences that you sang, and your phrasing was so interesting and in like the intonation I was like I wrote back like I'll do it (laughs) (laughs) because you know when you know when there's a point of view that's singular and I just remember well I mean don't think about it because you might ruin it but the thing is is like I was just like this sounds like a caged wounded animal (laughs) like and that's exactly what I am John (laughs) (laughs) exactly but it's like desperately wanting to be released from something and then it was i just connected instantaneously and that you know that doesn't happen very often and singularity is i think the best compliment one can pay someone yeah so it's just i don't really understand what y'all are talking about (laughs) i'm I'm just gonna keep doing what i'm doing and hopefully it's you didn't hear us at all yeah we didn't say anything (laughs) (laughs) but yeah i think we've been joking a lot about performing um we've been doing impasse and lark live and just joking around about how it it just feels like there should be like a raven being released into the crowd at a certain point. Yeah. I don't know. It's just been really dark and fun to be loud again and be yeah to belt it out again for and not record. loud in the in the way that so often is loud, i.e. distortion or mm-hmm. something. And and that was the beauty of last night. Two things happened last night. I was uh, well recording this the night the day after. Uh, your first show at the Lincoln Theater. Lincoln Theater is a beautiful old theater in Washington, D.C. Describe your set that's behind you because it <laughs> felt like an, uh, I, I was in an old 1941 movie 
in some ways there's a staircase. And- yeah. Well, I think as I've just gotten deeper into this music stuff world experience, <laughs> I've just wanted to kind of take the theme of the music and the images and have it be sort of continuous in the process, like the way it looks on stage. And I don't need a lot of flair. I I like to break character a lot on stage and joke around, and I can handle it when something breaks. I'm not going to freak out. But I think it looks elegant to have something seem related to the videos and related to the way that we captured this record. It's Um, a vibe. Yeah. Yeah. So in the studio, John, were there bats? Oh, there were definitely some bats in the studio. Definitely. There were some skeletons, <laughs> lots of spookiness and cobwebs. Yeah. Halloween was a great show in Philly. People oh, were... So oh, sorry yeah. you were... We walked out on stage to the Unsolved Mysteries theme song. It was really cool. <laughs> <laughs> I love it. Yeah. You talked about the musicians on the stage. I never asked you about the musicians beyond the arranger of, you know, of Jarek Bischoff and uh, Ben, um, ben Babbitt. Babbitt. Who played what and did John play and would you play as far as I know John is like a secret always the secret player because he's dialing in drums that didn't exist or changing certain sounds of guitars to make them exist in the world of these songs and what I realize a lot of the time much later is that the drummer or other people who were part of the record would show me something that John did that I didn't even register because it was so smooth, <laughs> you know, and it just seemed that, that it made so much sense in there. But um, so I'm sorry, John, if I never complimented your secret um, playing <laughs> on these records, but it's because it just sounded as though it should be there. Uh, well, then I'm doing my job. Yeah. I guess uh, Ben's sort of played a part of being a jack of all trades, playing synth, playing... Um, guitar at times, bass at times, and then frantically writing string arrangements to fit those parts with me. So he was pretty integral to the process. And then Jarek, sort of, I gave him the songs that I felt as though I just, I needed so much outside thought on, like Lark, I didn't know how it would work with strings, you know, I just, it was really difficult for me to imagine. And then he came back with it and it just blew me away and I I remember John even saying this should just be the first song and I was like 100% this should be the first song in the record yeah yeah for sure because it was just like you cannot ignore this (laughs) yeah and Jarek's way of thinking about strings is so different than the way that I would think about them that naturally Mm -hmm. at first I, I was a little bit taken aback especially by the what it is arrangement but now it's one of my favorite arrangements on the record I think what was so difficult for me wasn't his arrangement but I was, for whatever reason, in my mind, particularly attached more to the solo version for a super long time. And now it's just, it's cool to hear these songs and feel as though they're not mine. They are mine, but they're not mine completely so I can get into them more. Does that make sense? It does. And I want to play some of that string arrangement because that was a particularly uh, beautiful string arrangement that was very surprising. This is what it is.
Tell me what are you doing to those strings? <laughs> yeah, what did you do to those strings? <laughs> um, a lot of phase. Uh, put it, put yeah, put it through a bunch of old school phaser pedals. <laughs> pretty pretty trashy. I like that trash. Cool. Yeah. <laughs> One thing that I, I we I, I would I think we should credit Jarek for is such an incredible steady hand. Yeah. at bringing everything home he was the conductor too i know and um yeah jarek also helped us find all the players mm-hmm. and all the players were were freaks you know what i mean yeah. they weren't like they weren't just la session slick players and also you know we didn't have an, an enormous amount of time to cut the strings because no. it's a it's stupefyingly expensive endeavor of course to be at like united recording strings so Jarek, I mean, the pressure was on and mm-hmm. Jarek really handled it well. At first, it was really difficult to understand like Jarek's thinking as far as textures and the way that things fit together with these songs. And then in the end, it's it's pretty memorable. I mean, it's pretty it's pretty crazy to hear strings like in what it is sound as though gunfire has just gone off or, you know, it just... <laughs> It's wild to me. It really opened up my mind. He did for me what George Martin did for, in many ways with the Beatles and adding something, adding a layer that gave so much more weight to what was being said in the songs. I think about mm-hmm. the song Within You, Without You uh, that's on yeah. Sgt. Pepper. The way those, I don't know, would you call it portamento strings where the strings just bend? And, yeah. And yeah, you, I'm learning all kinds of new string words these days. <laughs> Wait, is that one? Yeah. yeah. Any other, give me another one. It could be glissando that, that oh. you're talking about, too. Yeah. And <laughs> I think I'm just legato. making stuff up. It's been a process to learn how to describe what I want from strings. And now it's a continuous process because I've got string players in the band, um, one of which who is a friend of Jarek's. So. The players on stage, were they the, any of them on the record besides you? No. I bet rehearsals were tough. Rehearsals were done in sections. So we rehearsed just drums, bass, guitar, vocals, and then we added more and more stuff in as we went. So I think there were about five weeks of rehearsals. Uh, Longer to rehearse than to make the record, maybe? Yeah. It's as though I've made a record three times for this one, and I'm (laughs) day five performing it, but it feels as though I've made three versions of this record. Well, everybody go out and see the show because you won't regret it. And uh, it may be different show 20 than show five, but uh, it'll be a thrill. Thank you for doing this. Yeah, thanks for having us. Thank you. Miss you, John. I miss you too, Mama. (laughs) You better not be burning trash over there. I'm burning trash with no witness. Oh, shoot. (laughs) (laughs) All right, cheers all. Thank you. Bye, see you guys. All right, bye. Angel Olsen and John Congleton. The album All Mirrors is out on Jag Jaguar. I'm Bob Boylan for NPR Music. It's All Songs Considered. Why don't you say you're